Hello and welcome to another episode of Link to the Cast. I am not Mark Robinson, I am Dave Ryan who has now uh, kind of firmly grasped a hold of hosting duties on this podcast and I am joined this week not by Mark Robinson but by Brian McNamara, our new co-host. Brian, how are you? Good evening, Dave. Uh, Brian, do you want to run us through a, a quick intro of who you are and kind of your history with games? Okay. Well... I'm the weird guy that lives in your house, Dave. Uh, weird indeed. Weird indeed. Cross the landing. Definitely not watch sleep. Um, <laughs> me and video games. I would not be kind of, say, the long term since I was a child gamer, the way you and Mark would be kind of N64, uh, SNES kind of era. For me, it was around that time, my old man was of the opinion that there was a perfectly good computer there in the room. Go ahead and play games on that. So, it was PC games for me for a long time. All the Age of Empires. Uh, Championship Manager, 99-2000, Close Combat, A Bridge Too Far, or 2150. The real classics. The real classic, Total Annihilation. <laughs> um, and then I got my first console when I was 20. So uh, <laughs> so you're coming at things from a slightly different perspective to us. Yeah, like I mean, at the same, in the same way that someone born, you know, in the 80s has seen The Godfather. Yeah. Someone who started playing console games at 20 has seen and has played... The classic Mario's Mega Man, yeah. Zelda. Well, well, even in the um, even in the short time you've had um, consoles in your life, I think a lot has changed in consoles. And I also think that you not going back quite as far as myself and Mark adds a new kind of perspective to things because our uh, book club feature that we do at the end of every episode, and this week is no exception. More more on that later as well. Um, is all about games that people who maybe haven't played these important games in gaming history should pick up. So I think it's interesting to have your perspective on things because as we get deeper into this podcast, we're going to go with deeper cuts, things you definitely haven't played. And I'll get to re-experience a game that you're experiencing for the first time beside you because we live together. Um, so in Mark's absence, I think you'll, uh, you'll, you'll take that baton and you'll, you'll run with it and you'll do quite well. I'll be, as we used to say, the control. Yeah, on a on an old podcast we used to do, Brian used to be the control, the guy who doesn't uh, have the know anything, the, the, not know anything, but kind of the 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 Blank almost depressing depth of knowledge that the host has, kind of. Um, so yeah, it'll be an interesting new dynamic going forward. So um, forgive us if we just uh, drive this ship into the rock straight away on the first episode. We're still trying to figure this out. So anyway. Uh, Brian, your first time on the show, so I'll uh, I'll hold your hand through this. We our first feature on the show is playing this week, so we're going to start off by talking about the games we play this week. We try to have different games every week. Uh, it's a it's quite a challenge sometimes when fucking nothing is coming out in the middle of the summer, but we still manage it. Um, so I'll turn over to you, Brian, to take your 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 first thing. What have you been playing this week? Well, like for me playing games, I know you're kind of a you'll dance around between a couple of hours on this, a couple of hours that. I can't sit still. You can't I, sit I, still. I have uh, I have ADD when it comes to games. Like I'd be the kind of guy I'll pick up a game and I'll play it and play it. Yeah, and play it. You have and been, play it. you have been insatiably buried in The Witcher since the day it came out. Yeah. I'm on um, my new game plus, all the side quests, all the locations. Uh, yeah, and and The Witcher is something that because we're both big fans of it, I think for a week where nothing is coming out. The Witcher is a big one that we'll both kind of get into as a feature um, because there's a lot of different ways you can come at that topic, both like the DLC plan and like the actual meat of the game itself and the expansions and such. So that will be kind of... At a later time. You will be certainly 
uh, obscenely qualified to talk about that uh, when the time comes. Uh, but for, for this, the for the moment, what for have you been moment. playing this week? Uh, have you torn yourself away from The Witcher this week? Well, you see, I've got to get up, I've got to go to work, I've got to leave the house. So I've been dabbling in that mobile gaming. Yes. With uh, the kind of the tasty teaser for a title that's coming out in a couple of months, I've been playing Fallout Shelter. Now, generally speaking, um, are you a mobile gamer? No. Do you game much on your mobile phone? No. Yeah, I don't either. This is the one thing, like, we said earlier on that I'm, like, myself and Mark are kind of gaming obsessives, that it goes back years and years and years and years. I cannot generally get on board with the mobile gaming thing. Like, I've played... The young kids and the YouTubes. Yeah, yeah, like, I I played uh, the original Angry Birds for a couple hours when it came out. Like, it's, it's fine, do you know what I mean? But for me, as a console gamer and as a handheld console player as well, um, I don't feel right playing on a phone. Do you know what I mean? Like I did. Like I suppose. The, I actually suppose the game I sunk the most time into on mobile ever was Snake, <laughs> back on my old thirty two ten. So that'll tell you. Like me and mobile gaming, we just don't really gel. I'm not into your temple runs or your flappy birds or any of this shit. Um, so you, you're not either though I'm not either I think almost I think that's maybe even a generational thing because even when you've got kids walking around now who've got phones that are fucking computers yeah. all by themselves like this you know they, they don't need to go and spend 400, 500 quid on a console mm. they can do things, and you know we could make a social comment about attention spans and the like here but we won't yeah. <laughs> but no I've been playing uh, Fallout Shredder because god damn it I need a Fallout fix Yeah, I need Fa- something Fallout 4 is coming out towards the end of this year and you've been like on the precipice for weeks of dusting off that old Xbox 360 of yours that has an extractor fan on it that sounds like a jet engine firing up <laughs> uh, and brushing off uh, a bit of New Vegas for a while. But oh, this uh, Fallout Shelter has been able to kind of sate your appetite it's, for the time being. It's been tied me over a little bit and I mean, to be honest, the only way in which it's doing that is the familiar Fallout iconography that's yeah. about it in no way is this a fallout game this is the thing right because a lot of people who aren't even fallout fans or console gaming fans or anything, have gotten into fallout shelter just because everybody's talking about it my girlfriend is playing fallout shelter near obsessively <laughs> hasn't a fucking breeze what fallout is um like i do obviously and i just find it kind of funny that she's gone mad into fallout shelter i couldn't give a shit about it but i'm so excited for fallout 4 she didn't know fallout 4 was coming out <laughs> you know it's it's funny um so like what like because I've, I've not played it I've not even downloaded it not even been tempted because mobile gaming bleh but what is Fallout Shelter for someone who hasn't played it it's a 2D side scrolling The Sims so it's kind of like that, it's that's it that's it resource and people management kind of boil down to its smallest level you are micromanaging a bunch of people you're vault dwellers yeah. within your vault which you build and expand on as you collect resources and you know you manage their stats you can build rooms to train them better in other stats and then you send them to production rooms which require to have high stats to get good production out of and then level up which seems to achieve nothing uh, you have happiness levels which you get graded on and get rewards for and you can you know in a weird twisted little eugenics program you can breed your own fallout dwellers using dwellers who have high stats to create babies who have high stats and then you wait for them to grow into adulthood which takes about five hours mm-hmm. and then you put them to work and then you can send them out into the wasteland where it's like those really 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 I suppose the fairly old school text based muds and morphages where you know you send out um, 
ships into space I can't remember the name of some of the ones I used to play uh, you send out ships into space and you wait five hours in real time for them to come back with resources and that like you do that you can send people out into the wasteland and you can read a little text based summary of their adventures Yeah, and then they collect loot and coins and that and then they come back you can recall them back and you wait in real time for them to come back and so it's very much kind of like almost like and this is an odd comparison to draw like Tamagotchi where you can leave it working away in the background you can like set them off to do a task that's going to take say five hours in real time you can be going ahead using your phone for whatever else or the screen could be off just sitting on your desk or whatever and you come back and this thing is done kind of like that's for certain elements of it like for the train them up for the send them out into the wasteland thing is one of the benefits is unlike those kind of old school text based muds and memorphagas nothing bad can happen when you're not actually in the game you like, can't come back and it's just like everybody is dead and yeah. it was your fault exactly because you weren't watching your Tamagotchi hasn't keeled over because no. you didn't feed it for an hour when you were in school no yeah. you, you have resources waiting to be collected um, once you hit like you know once it ticks over time and your resources are ready to be collected they wait for you to collect them and don't produce more until you collect them but that doesn't do any damage either um, in terms of training guys up like that just takes over by itself next thing you know you log in and some guy's gone from level 2 strength to level 9 strength while you haven't been logged in while you're logged in not even logged in you've opened the app really just yeah, not, you're not even working away in. in the background like. yeah um, while you're in actually micromagine things you can get attacked by raiders or death claws and death claws are cunts um, you know when you're not when you're not playing the game that can't happen to you you know so it's nice and safe and then you just eventually turtle your way along to building uh, a big massive vault like I'm on what now I've got about 75 vault dwellers I've all bar the last two rooms unlocked um, which I think is 80 or 90 and then 100 you know I've kind of reached a point where there's not really much left to achieve or not much of a sense of achievement left in it yeah. but I'm still mainlining it because it's fallen yeah. um, just a couple of quick questions that come to mind there listening to, listening to you describe it um, unlike um, a couple of other kind of tie-in um, app games to kind of popular video game franchises that I've, I've experienced in the past. This, at least for now, doesn't seem to me to have any connection whatsoever to Fallout 4 when it comes out. It's just a separate game set in the Fallout universe. It's using the Fallout mythology. It's using terminology that you know. Um, I mean, the little door your vault looks exactly like the doors of vaults in the game. You have people rock up in the little blue and yellow uh, jumpsuits. You will have like equipment and guns. You can equip your vault, your vault dwellers with guns and armor and that, and they all mm-hmm. kind of match up with items that you've seen in the real game. Your power armor is there. Your turbo gatling lasers are there. You know, other than that though, it doesn't walk, talk, or sound anything like a Fallout game. Okay. Um. And- because it's um, there's some kind of game companies have done it in the past as a kind of smart marketing strategy. Like the two I think of immediately are FIFA, who do uh, an ultimate team app so that you can start going on your ultimate team before the game comes out, get the hype going in the few weeks. As if FIFA needs any more sales because it kills everything. <laughs> like it sells big, yeah. and you're a massive fan. Uh, I can tell just from the eye roll. Um, I'm gonna have as much love talking about FIFA on this as I did when Mark was on. Mark doesn't like talking about FIFA at all. Oh, good another thing anyway. Mark have in common. Anyway, um, and the other one is uh, a game you actually did enjoy. Watch Dogs had uh, an app for the the build up. The they had a CTOS app where you to could let you hack do, stuff. Yeah, you could uh, you could actually play against people that were playing on the PS4 or the Xbox. Where you would um, oh, there's one of the mini games where there's like 
uh, the police are pursuing you or something like that or someone's pursuing you and if you had the app you could be the pursuer rather than the person who was oh, playing which is actually one of the online mini games in Watch yeah. Dogs yeah, that's what it, like, it communicates with the phone app that particular mini game um, so that like that turned out to be pretty clever and as far as kind of linking a game with an app goes it's the most intuitive one I've mm. come across which is probably one of the better things I can say about Watch Dogs like, because it disappointed a lot of people at the time but uh, the, the final question I have then before I move on to uh, quickly going through the stuff I've been, ta- I've been um, playing this week is uh, the one thing that always fucks me off in a big way about mobile gaming um, microtransactions oh yeah yeah, there are microtransactions uh, to help you skip time. No, no, there's just there's there's two really just like you have to go around harvesting your resources every time it takes over the two three minutes for uh, say your water treatment plant to produce water. One of the yeah. three resources you need. Um, you have to go around manually finger tap on the box that is your your room to collect it. You can buy Mister Handys, which in the Fallout universe are sets are, are servant robots to go and yeah. collect them for you, and they can also apparently fight off. Um, uh, enemies in it the other one is you will get for completing certain daily challenges there are daily challenges which is you know make six vault uh, water babies or put out five vault fires just a kind of incentive to keep you coming back every you'll, single day you'll get uh, these lunch boxes yeah. which contain in them cards which would be for an extra 200 caps for some cool outfits or suits of armour and as well for some special fallout dwellers who have boosted stats in terms of their special stats yeah and I mean you can pay for those like they do I think it's 20 euros for 40 lunch boxes and down in deals and you know it's like you know one is 2 euros but 4 is 3 euros you know that kind of way like it's you know they're hooking in for more money for more product now this standard microtransaction stuff you can play it without it it doesn't feel like you're at a disadvantage playing without yeah. it that's the important thing you're not getting any major bonuses out of it like the big thing out of it I suppose is the cool gear, the boosting caps, and um, the only kind of really irreplaceable thing is the special uh, boosted stat ball twatters. Okay. Because um, they come in real handy for a boost. Okay, so it's not the uh, the free-to-play model that uh, Jim Sterling famously describes as uh, feet play. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you don't, you not, don't, you don't feel like you need it to be kind of competitive or good at the game. No. You? Okay, well, that's that's important. Much as I still don't like microtransactions, uh, that's that's important, at least. Um, I suppose I'll talk about a couple of things I've been playing this week. Um, one that I'm only going to be talking about very briefly here is um, midweek, uh, the Mega Man Legacy Collection. Mega Club. Man! Mega Man! It's regrettable that literally the first week Mark's gone. We have a new Mega Man thing to talk about. This is like the number one Mega Man guy. He Mega Man correspondent for our podcast. His last book club feature was Mega Man 2. <laughs> and he leaves and Mega Man Legacy Collection drops. Um, so Mega Man Legacy Collection available on PS4 and Xbox One um, and 3DS. Uh, and Vita coming out later this year. But it's just uh, Xbox One and PS4 now as far as I know is kind of a really gussied and prettied up version of the first six Mega Man games, all in one nice, neat little package. I think nowadays when you get to game six in a franchise, it's usually tosh. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Mega Man, like, four, five, six, I don't know, maybe some people would uh, disagree with me, but I think after kind of, well, Mega Man 2 is the peak for me, but like, the first three are pretty great. 
Um, and then four, five, and six, they're, they're grand. Because there's fine. only so much you can do with a shoot man. Yeah, and then it kind of dramatically jumps off a cliff onto, say, Mega Man X or something like that. That. But um, no, it's like, what can you really say? We talked ad nauseum about Mega Man 2 last week. Like, this is the prettiest version of these games that you'll play. Um, one thing is, it feels fucking bizarre playing Mega Man 2 with a DualShock 4. Like, not playing it with NES controls. It, like, I like I, I have played, I have Mega Man 2 on my 3DS, and that feels kind of still strange because there's loads of buttons, but I, I don't know. It just, no sometimes it feels weird playing an old game on a new console. Like when Rare Replay dropped and I'm playing Banjo-Kazooie and an N64 controller isn't in my hand, it's a, an Xbox One controller. Well, I mean, I'd say it's a very jarring experience going, going from, from the N64. Yeah, <laughs> but it is as well going from like an NES controller, which is two fucking buttons yeah. <laughs> on a D-pad uh, up to the DualShock 4. But no, they're really, really pretty versions of the game. It's only like 15 quid or something like that on the store. Um, it's a lot of fun. The only downside that I've found to it so far is that for six of the more difficult platforming games, and I know you're not a platformer aficionado, but you you know the the legend of Mega Man being a notoriously difficult yeah. game, right? There's no fucking platinum trophy. You could beat all six games perfectly, beat there's a special challenge mode in there as well, and beat all the challenges and shit like that, and they still don't think that's worth a platinum. Dave, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if this is cropped up yet. <laughs> Give for a platinum. Give for a platinum. Look, I'm not. I'm not saying there is not a fucking snowball's chance in hell I would get a platinum at Mega Man. But you would think, right? When you can get platinums for every Lego game, where like Lego games are not difficult, they are just time consuming to platinum. You know what I mean? Like I have never had a difficulty beating any of the the Lego games or anything like that. Platinums go for them. But this is one that would actually be a challenge. That would be a hard-fought platinum if you were to win it, and it's just not there. There's, like, a few golds, mostly silvers and bronze, though. That's just kind of, like, obviously, the the people who would care about that are in the minority. I understand that. But still, it just seemed kind of strange to me. It's not like it costs them to put the platinum trophy <laughs> yeah. there. Do you know what I mean? And it's not like a lot of people are going to get it. And because it's one if of you're talking about games where there doesn't have, there can't be an online multiplayer requirement yeah, to get the platinum. Exactly. Which is a yeah. real, do you know I mean you could do it by yourself? Like it's a kind of I don't know. It's just strange because um, like they're so difficult. You would think that almost a courtesy <laughs> they throw a platinum in there if you're good enough to have this we should really acknowledge yeah, you but I realise that like the portion of the wider kind of uh, PlayStation ecosystem as they call it um, that are going to purchase the Mega Man Legacy Collection is quite small and that among that quite small section the section of those people who care about trophies is even smaller again it's you. yeah it's pretty much it's me and I would guarantee Mark Robinson wanted the platinum <laughs> in that um this is the man who has spent the last two months like a man possessed trying to get the platinum and uh, binding of Isaac before he left and he didn't get it, uh, which is a bit rough. So he'll have to resume Game's that quest in January. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite difficult. Anyway, um, the other game I've been playing this week, um, sports game. Ooh, sports game. Uh, Madden 16 dropped. And I'm not going to talk about this for too long because, again, I realised when I um, kind of wax lyrical about sports games, uh co-hosts of mine tend to fall asleep Their eyes glaze over. yeah um madden 16 dropped um it's good it's good um it's for me because like i'm a guy who watches less than six nfl games per year like so much did you pay for this nfl game full price but you see the games are it's the games are always fun right games are always fun but the problem is that 
every so often you get one that's ridiculously inaccessible to people that don't know the incredible in- intricacies of American football. Games are not always fun. They are. No, they are. They're like, because you don't like sports games. Yeah, but Dragon fun. not fun either. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, yeah. you know, for sports game fans, it, it's not like NHL, right? NHL games uh, of recent years, I can't fucking get into them because the controls are, like, it's... It may, they may as well be speaking a different language trying to teach me the game. Madden controls are pared down now. They're quite simple. Like, you popped in when I was playing a game there earlier on and pointed out how simple the passing looked because there's literally one of the face buttons hovering over each of the passing options. It looked too simple. I'll be honest with you, it looked but, too simple. But the thing is, like, it doesn't operate like FIFA. You can't just, like, hit X and a direction and it'll just, like, pass that easily. You can't, like, because of just the way... Amer- the differences between American football and association football here... Uh, just because the differences between the sports, you couldn't do that the same way. Um, so you would have to do something like that. The trick comes in how you line up your playbook and stuff like that. And thankfully, because I don't have a fucking notion about any of that, like, there's lists of plays and kind of... Thankfully, there's diagrams to explain which way the runner you want is going to go. So it's really easy. And then you can go into the coach's suggestions, where he pairs your massive playbook which would be better than 50 plays down to the three you probably will want to I need to stop you right there and I need to say one thing. Now, I know EA are evil. (laughs) Well, I think the video game community has kind of softened on them because they're not as evil as they were as far as people are concerned. But if that feature you just mentioned does not have DLC at the very least where Henry Winkler's character from the Waterboy shows up <laughs> and pairs down your playbook. I'm yeah, sorry, no, you are missing not, a trick. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're missing out on that one. But it's like, it's... Yeah, it's simple. It's the most... I'll tell you one thing that they have that FIFA don't. Melodrama. I'll tell you that much. It is every inspirational B-football movie you've ever seen. The tutorial for it at the start. Where you're in the middle of Super Bowl 50, which hasn't happened yet. And you're trying to fight for a win by learning the controls. Which is great. Like, it's a great way. Like, like the FIFA tutorials are a fucking snooze fest. They really are. They always have been. <laughs> the Al Pacino pack. Are you that's listening to that's, 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 that's what you're pre-ordering. <laughs> um, the one thing I will say is that so far, without the um, anything more than the day one patch, because everything has to have a fucking day one patch now, mm. um, there's a glitch sometimes um, where when I'm trying to load out of a game back into franchise mode, which is their version of career mode, uh, sometimes it just doesn't. So I have to close the game, go back in. Uh, which is shite and hopefully they fix that but as far as I understand uh, franchise mode isn't what a lot of people do it's kind of like FIFA where I'm in the minority doing career mode most people do ultimate team or online play but I hate people and I hate trading card games so ultimate team and online are for me <laughs> so it's like what is it it's kind of like the championship manager aspect of it uh, but you actually play the games but you well. actually play the games yeah game. you like you scout new players uh, for the draft next year you manage your team you manage your kind of like XP and stuff like that for your players there are weekly goals for individual players and your offensive and defensive lines to improve them their confidence and their skills and then you kind of just yeah you head towards the Super Bowl and it's like proper be the manager, be the manager but, then, but then you can also like play through the, the games as, as the well. team yeah, yeah. there are I don't know if there is this year but on FIFA like there is definitely the um, the ability to sim every game and you just act as the manager. Isn't that that thing that guy did where he simmed a thousand when on holidays for uh, that was, Yeah, that was Football Manager. There was a story, um, I don't think we ever mentioned it on the podcast, where a guy simmed a thousand years of um, Football Manager and there was like a century of dominance from Derby County at the top of the Premier League. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> which is uh, massive that's probably the best news Derby County fans have had in a long long time Ooh, <laughs> sick burn <laughs> right I suppose uh, with the games we played this week out of the way we will uh, move on to the news what of the scoop. week the news scoops of the week news on the mark Okay, so the first little tidbit of news is that I want to offer the listeners of the show the, what I'm going to preliminarily call the Mark Robinson Oriental Odyssey update. Um, so Mark has left. Mark has gone to China, as we mentioned on the mm. podcast last week. The first thing I have to say, because we were kind of, <laughs> we almost had like a production meeting on the air when we did the podcast last week, where Mark kind of went, I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen with the show when I'm gone. And I went, well, I have some ideas. And so like that, because Mark didn't know what his internet was going to be like. I can now confirm his internet is shit. He has some slightly weak Wi-Fi in the lobby of the apartment or hotel building he stays in. He's hoping that he's getting put on placement in a school, because he's teaching English to kids. Uh, he's getting put on in some sort of school now shortly. He's got his offer. He's been assigned to some school. Um, he's hoping that the Wi-Fi will be better there, because he kind of... Um, He's already you. missing. He's already missing. Well, like, he misses me. He misses Mega Man. <laughs> he wants to be able to in a, be in a position that when it comes out on Vita, he can download Mega Man. That he can download his PS Plus games, uh, because I have his PS uh, Plus account details. In the meantime, and I'm going to be flagging all the free games for him just in case. Um, and he uh, is missing out on that sweet Pro Graps action. Uh, because he left the weekend that SummerSlam happened and hasn't seen any of it. Uh, because apparently he can get, he can't get more than about four seconds of the WWE network to load before it starts buffering again. Um, so yeah, it's not good. Uh, I had to to get him to download a podcast because he can't get. Um, he doesn't have. Yeah, was it? He doesn't have. Yeah, he he doesn't have Gmail anymore. He doesn't have Google. He doesn't have Google access over there at all. So. Um, whereas when he was half he was in Dubai or he was in the airport in England waiting to go and I had to, to get for him to be able to download a podcast I had to throw the podcast into Google Drive for him to download because he couldn't get onto any sort of proper site already and now he's out in China and it's even worse uh, he can't get onto Google Drive or anything like that so you probably won't hear Mark Robinson's voice all that much on this podcast uh, unless he ends up in a nice cosy office in his school but uh, I'll hopefully get him to provide, uh, send in messages in future weeks uh, to kind of let us know how he's getting on. This week, on his Oriental Odyssey update, he went and saw some pandas, which was, I think, his primary goal in going over to China. He so did he, say before he left, he was on his way to high five the shit out of some pandas. Yeah, so he's gone to see those pandas. Uh, he's trying to get some sort of accommodation, but the guy who, <laughs> the guy who he was supposed to get it with decided... Uh, to have a full email box so Mark can't email them they're just the emails are just bouncing back to him so hopefully that's going well for him uh, he ran into typically because I always say that Mark is spiritually an Irishman because he has that he has that uh, hating everything and the self-deprecation thing going on like he's just an accent short of being one of us um, he actually is in a building with some Irish people which is amazing because oh, you got everywhere. you can never go too far we're we're running into some of us and he uh, reported live this week on the incredibly competitive world of Chinese karaoke um, we knew from a friend of ours Podrick uh, being in uh, Korea for a couple of years that uh, karaoke is serious business mm. in Asia uh, apparently China is no exception 
uh, fiercely competitive and there's a lot of pre-arranged uh, duets with uh, some measure of choreography by the sounds of it. So I'm hoping uh, Mark will like send me some messages uh, with updates uh, in future weeks on the show and maybe some uh, photographs or something to keep the I mean, blog take... going. But basically, for anybody that knows Mark, that's listening to this, Mark is alive. Uh, he is... He, he loves pandas. He's he's seen them already. And uh, yeah, he's looking forward to uh, teaching students English that he suspects may have better standard English than he does. Uh, so, right, we'll put that feature to anyway for the week. Uh, our first actual news story of the week, uh, the Nintendo NX, which, uh, if you weren't aware, Brian, Nintendo, who have been catching a load of shit uh, about their Wii U what? console. What, Nintendo? Yeah. Taking shit? Yeah. Are you serious? They've been getting a lot of shit, a lot of shit, Brian. Uh, the Wii U console, which we have uh, parked uh, not too far from us here. Quite fond of it. Yeah, quite fond of it. We have a great time playing it. Turns out the general public, not so much. <laughs> uh, never liked the general public. It is possibly a worse... No, it almost certainly is a worse disaster for the company than the GameCube was. Fuck off. Uh, yeah, it's not doing too well at all. People don't like the tablet uh, because there isn't an option to not use the tablet. It has to be the number one controller. Um, you can like, you can turn off, you can turn off the screen and use the pro remote for some games, but uh, yeah, and the fact that like no game really has nailed a good use of the touchpad and the second screen, but uh, that's besides the point. So because of this, people have been suspecting Brian for a long time that Nintendo are moving out of the kind of home console business. They're either going to focus on mobile, or some have suspected they might actually start phones. Because uh, we talked about mobile gaming earlier on. Mobile gaming is probably at its most popular in Japan, which is the mm. core of Nintendo's market. Well, they've had to, like, Japan itself has had to release in the past, I think, few years legislation restricting the degree to which under, you know, minors can make microtransactions. Yeah. Because of the amount it's, of money they were pumping into it, like, it's, it's massive. dangerous. I remember um, uh, Colin Mar- Moriarty from IGN, who I mentioned a couple of times on the podcast before. He's not at IGN anymore, but anyway. He went on a trip to Japan with IGN and uh, took a photograph of someone that he finally found because everybody's playing on their mobiles and he found one person playing on a Vita. He said it was like, you know, finding some sort of mystical, some sort of unicorn on the train in Tokyo. It was that rare because everybody's just buried in their phones all the time. But besides the point, um, Nintendo came out then before E3 this year and basically said, no, 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 we're not stepping out of the console market. We have a new console. It's a dedicated gaming platform. It's called Nintendo NX, so people are kind of wondering what does the X mean, does it mean it's cross, like it's some sort of hybrid between a handheld like a DS and a home console like the Wii U. Or is uh, the word next and they took out the E and the T? Yes, that's, that was my assumption that means the next thing, and it's just the name of the project, it's not actually the name of the console. Um, because Nintendo have a habit of giving like um, kind of ostentatious names to their projects without actually naming the console. Um a lot of rumours flying around that it's actually going to operate not off its own kind of homebrew OS it's going to operate on Android which kind of made me go because mm. I, I, uh, I'm i not a massive fan I have an Android phone but it's mainly because I don't like iOS <laughs> you know what I mean it's like it's you know we're so old and curmudgeon do you want to get like shot movies. or do you want to get stabbed <laughs> <laughs> I don't know um, but basically yeah so they kind of there's been a lot of rumours flying around but this week uh, there are these magical people on the internet who basically keep their eye out for any patent that gets filed to do with any of these major console companies. So, 
word tends to leak a long time before companies are necessarily willing to say anything about it. So two separate patents were found this week, filed by Nintendo. The first one um, is possibly the most interesting. Well, I'll, I'll actually go to the... I'll, I'll skip ahead to the second one first because this is something that... The Wii U is clearly missing and um, they're just kind of now only catching up. And that's the idea that Nintendo games will finally have achievements and it'll finally be able to share games. And what I assume the game sharing means, at least in part, is the idea of streaming games. Because you can't really do that on... Uh, you can't broadcast on Wii U like you can so easily on Xbox you or PlayStation You can do like thing with the Miis. Yeah. In the free games yeah. where you can say weird things. Yeah, I'm using motion controls. I'm using motion controls. Yeah, like I always spam in the lobby of Mario Kart. But um, achievements is a big one because it's the only console that doesn't have anything like that yet. And it would be great. Just, it seems just such have... a small thing, but then again, at the same time, when you think about it, like like when I had Xbox, for instance, when I was previously on the 360, like, I didn't really give a shit about my gamer score. Yeah. But at the same time, when I went into the actual achievements... I yeah. get a little bit of a shit on those. Like I spent a long trying time trying to get 100% completion on Left 4 Dead 1. Yeah. Put a lot of work on that. Like, Well, like I was a guy, like you were saying earlier on, that I'm a trophy whore. And it's kind of true sometimes. Like I am a whore for trophies in games I like. Uh, I never gave a shit about trophies until about two years ago, like when I got my PS4. And then saw that I was really close to a platinum on Lego Marvel, which is a game I really like. So now I kind of I get a platinum if it's a game I really like because it's a nice excuse to keep playing a game after you beat it. Nice mm. meta game almost. So like hence our Odyssey uh, last year with Bioshock Infinite trying to get the platinum and that you were my you were the Liz to my Booker being my uh, passenger Booker seat. Booker catch <laughs> as I uh, went through that arduous arduous uh, nineteen ninety nine mode. But yeah, uh, it really is about time that Nintendo looked into that because um, it really is where things are going. People like I'm a bit into my trophies. There are people who are fucking mad into their trophies. And it's good to have that option there. Because obviously it doesn't harm the people who don't care about it. It's just something that they can ignore. That's not a big thing either. No. Like, it never bothered me on PS3 when I didn't care about trophies and they were still popping. Never cared. Before you say the next thing. Yes. I just want to say, if the next thing is not a full console version of Pokemon, I'm just... I'm I'm out there. But this is the thing. Like, it's one of the properties that, like, if you take it away from the handheld... That's the big. That's the, it. Not doomed, but it's the big one that the handhelds have. Like the handheld division, like the 3DS, because the 3DS, like despite how ubiquitous you might think it is, is still a disappointment relative to the DS, because the DS and the Wii blew everybody's minds expectation-wise. Wii is one of the best-selling consoles of all time, if not the best-selling console of all time. Um, which is mad to think, because I completely skipped the Wii because I hate motion controls. Wii Sports. Yeah. Um. But if you take away, like, the two main pillars, in my view, anyway, globally speaking, for uh, the handheld at Nintendo are Pokemon and Monster Hunter. And if you take away both of those, because Monster Hunter dabbles in the console. It dabbles. A version of Monster Hunter will get released on Wii U. But if you take away both of those, and you can say, well, you can just buy buy the home console, and that's going to have your big open world. I want an open world Pokemon game as well. I, want, I really there's want lots it. lots of other things for the handhelds. I mean, like, I definitely play lots of other things on my 2DS. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you definitely do. You definitely didn't buy, like, the special Pokemon edition of the 2DS just because you saw me buying it for my girlfriend. <laughs> Maybe if you bought yeah, it for me like, as well, you, you know. <laughs> if you take it away uh, from, like, it it's may not collapse things. And obviously a lot of fans have been crying out for it since... The original Pokemon games that they want yeah. it uh, they want a full console version and they get like Pokemon Snap uh, and Pokemon Stadium on the N64 and stuff like that 
like we've got uh, Pokemon Fighter, which is coming out next year, which is an actual fighting game with Pokemon as the characters, which like could be fun. Uh, like early footage of it looks really fun, but it's not the game you want. The game you want is like the open world RPG. Oh, proper RPG open world. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't hold your breath on it. I'd love it, but I wouldn't necessarily not hold your breath anyway. because it's a bit. It's a big swing for them to think that that's gonna work and not uh, harm the uh, the handheld business. But yeah, the other thing that the NX may have that we wanted to talk about this week is that it may not have an optical drive. And what day for the uninitiated, uninitiated is an optical drive? So basically, and it's something that had been rumoured early on in development for the consoles that would then become PS4 and Xbox One, but it's the idea of going without a disc drive. So it will be completely diskless, which means that... Which means one of two things. There's been speculation of one or two things. And it's either... The most likely one, I would think, in 2015 is that they're going to go entirely digital. Mm-hmm. That you have to download everything through the eShop. Which, to me, presents its own problems because not everybody has wonderful internet. Now, Nintendo games, having downloaded a couple on a, online on the Wii U, aren't big. It's not like when you're downloading, say, fucking Madden this week, which was 30 gigs. It's not that. Like, I have, I have three or four full Wii U games downloaded that system. The internal memory on that is only 32 gigs and it's not even close to full. Nintendo games are small. They look pretty, but they're very small. Um, so, my kind of... My problems with it are, one, people wouldn't have um, great internet. Or uh, that, again, unless you put a massive fucking hard drive in it, like a terabyte, it's going to fill up pretty quick if people are downloading loads, no matter how much... You know what I mean? You want people, if you're Nintendo, you want people to download as many Nintendo games as possible. So you want to make sure, if you don't have a disk drive, that they have as much room as possible to buy all the Nintendo games they could possibly imagine. You know? Um, My other problem with that is kind of... Do retailers get annoyed? Because then all retailers are being used for is one purchase. They come in to buy the console, they leave, you never see Nintendo players again. Um, are the likes of GameStop going to go well fuck you if you're not going to put your games in our store we're just going to turn around and not sell your console because they're third place anyway they're not going to lose out a massive amount of their business not selling Nintendo uh, particularly like in Europe and they're going to set their precedent and make their point yeah you want to talk about like in Europe where like PS4 alone has a 90% market share uh GameStop isn't going to be hurting if they stop selling Wii U like I think if anybody in like the UK Ireland anywhere in Europe goes into a GameStop you almost have to go out of your way to try and find the Wii U section. Whereas, like, you can't move for the Xbox and PlayStation hoarding in every uh, GameStop or kind of similar shop. The only thing you might see really easily in a shop, uh, Nintendo-wise, is Amiibo. But, uh, yeah, that's besides the point. Like, what do you think about, like, would you, if, um, would you be hesitant buying a con? Like, obviously, you don't, you don't own a Nintendo console right now, apart from the 2DS. You don't own a home console, is what I mean. Um, if like the Xbox One or the PS4 say for example was completely discless would that be something you'd be interested in or would you be hesitant see I wouldn't necessarily be hesitant I mean I buy a lot of games in hard copy not because I particularly insist upon it but because you know they're brand new they're huge games now like I mean for a proper AAA title and I don't have you know three days to spend and we've good internet here I don't have three days to spend waiting for it to download yeah. Like I mean, at the same time, I buy a lot of games digitally, 
But yeah. what gets me for it is the deals. Yeah. Like, you know, I pick up digital games, full games, for cheap, on the PlayStation Store when they're on sale, and I'm perfectly happy with that. I'd say half my game library is digital yeah. at this point on the PS4. The thing is, like, at least to this point, Nintendo aren't known for having fantastic sales on the eShop. And you have no idea how incredibly... We talked about it last week on the show, so I'm not going to get into it again, how incredibly frustrating the eShop is to navigate. Like, you think you've seen me navigate the Xbox Store on Xbox One, and it's a fucking mess. It looks like a walk in the park by comparison to the eShop. It's like they don't want you to give them money. <laughs> They're making it that difficult. But, uh, yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, I'm not necessarily sure. The other possibility, of course, as well, if they're moving the disk drive, is the uh, some people speculating, are they going back to cartridge? Ooh. Which, to me... How? The, yeah, this, this is the thing. It's like, how can you fit games that size on a cartridge? The only benefit to cartridge-based operating systems is quicker load times. Because everything is there on the cartridge already. You don't have to load from a different part of a disc. So load times will be a lot quicker. But then again, it's like, how do you fit a 2015 game on a fucking cartridge? I don't know. I'm assuming, like, it's just some people speculating. I'm assuming... Sorcery is this. Yeah, I'm just assuming. Like, Nintendo is a crazy toy maker. If anyone can do it, it's them. But um, I'm still assuming... Uh, if they're not going on an optical drive that means they're looking into the possibility of digital only and this isn't to say that this is the final design this is just a pattern they filed because they had an idea they're just covering their bases legally but uh, we'll move on anyway Um, so IGN recently got hands on PAX Prime is on this weekend Um, it's the 29th of August as we speak PAX Prime is on in uh, Seattle I want to say at the moment uh, the Penny Arcade Expo and at it IGN have gotten their hands on Minecraft story mode from Telltale Games the qu- they have mixed responses to it um, kind of some people are kind of like yeah it's cool because we're finally getting a story mode from Minecraft and then other people going did we really need a story yeah, mode from Minecraft first and also my concern then is somewhere else which is like do Telltale Games have too many plates spinning now because let's rattle off right they're in some sort of pre-production or some sort of stage of producing season three of The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. They are doing Game of Thrones, Tales from the Borderlands. Presumably Wolf Among Us isn't done. I hope not. Uh, Telltale... Uh, deal with Marvel. Uh, yeah, the deal with Marvel and now Minecraft. Mm. So this is all spinning in the air. And my critique of that would be, one, like, can they handle that when he played spinning? And two do we want them to try and spin that many plates when they can't even fix the game engine they work with? Because, like, I don't know if you've noticed as much, but definitely in my playing through of The Walking Dead and of Game of Thrones in particular, um, there's a lot of glitchy stuff. The engine doesn't really work massively well. Um, Sometimes environments don't load properly. Sometimes they're incredibly fuzzy and then just suddenly pop. Um, happens a lot it's a, you're very lucky if you're not um, experiencing that but it happens a lot happens more on portable platforms like on the Vita I've had fucking nightmares trying to use the touch controls on it uh, to the point where I just ended up buying Walking Dead for the PS4 just to be fucking done with it um, so yeah my thing would be like my thought on that story would be go back fix your engine and then take on as much as you fucking want it like shoot for the moon take on the world and give us Wolf Among Us too like obviously it's hard to say no to Microsoft and the money they have yeah. if they want to license Minecraft which is in itself a license to print money and people they... the kids all over the world have already put this money aside in their heads you know what I mean yeah. this is going to sell massive it's going to be their biggest the other, thing, the other thing is as well is 
Telltale Games are kind of alone in their field, to my knowledge, at this point, with the type of game that they do. They're certainly the industry leader, like, you know. So what happens when you say to Microsoft, and their Microsoft money, because Microsoft clearly are looking at Telltale Games and saying, this type of game Telltale make, this is a great way to get a bit of publicity, get a bit of revenue in, and kind of push the limits of our game there and expand it. And Telltale Games say, we don't want it. Well, you know what? We've got too much to do. You're okay. We don't want it. What are Microsoft going to do? Make their own game. They're going to make their own or they're going to go to somebody else, and next thing you know, you're kind of... You're... Telltale Games are passe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they, they can't compete then with Microsoft's in-house one or whoever Microsoft decide to back, so they're fucked. So yeah. they have to, you know... In a sense, here they've no choice but to try and bite off more of the game too, and just keep trying and chewing it. Like, yeah, um, I don't know. It's just a disappointment to me that they can't. That that engine just is still. I don't know. There's just something off with it. Um, like it's still fine. The stories are written great. Um, I enjoy the stories tremendously, and that's what makes me persevere through the fucking engine bugginess at times. But uh, yeah, I just like to see them kind of, you know fix one thing before you move on to the next thing that's my kind of view on it anyway but obviously yeah as you said it's uh, it's hard to turn down the money when it's being thrown at your face Um, very quickly word is out about Metal Gear Solid we're going to talk about Metal Gear Solid next week whether you like it or not Brian uh, it's pretty good 10 out of 10s from Games uh, Games uh, GameSpot and IGN um, so very much looking forward to that but again that's just something I want to kind of mention uh, to people that are looking forward to picking it up next week um, like you yes like very much like me I'm seeing people who have gotten early copies of it playing it in my activity feed and it's slowly it's upset him a lot <laughs> so he, he, he literally in the middle of the night he called me into his room to look at the screen and didn't say anything he just pointed and I was like yeah I, I see that Metal Gear Solid he's like no there's someone been playing it since this morning I was like oh, oh okay and, was like, and then just quivering with rage there. <laughs> yeah that's that is that that's exactly that is how certainly happened. a thing that happened <laughs> um Right, uh, again, we're going to fire through these last few because we're uh, kind of running over time here already. Um, there's a Borderlands movie being made. I won't hold my breath. won't hold my breath. This is the one I want to get because I've only dipped into Borderlands 2 a little bit. But you kind of, you uh, like you it, jumped headlong into it for quite a while there yeah. before you found The Witcher. Yeah. Is there a good movie to be made? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Will a good movie be made? That's a whole other question. <laughs> I mean... Like, I think a feature we're going to do some week on the show is to talk about the history of uh, video, game, video game movies. Well, I mean, the history's been done. I think more you need to focus on kind of the future in the sense that, like, I think it was IGN were saying that, you know, okay, they've said they want to do this and there's a couple of other kind of thing, video game movies potentially in the works and that. Um, and everybody's kind of holding their breath to see how Assassin's Creed and World of Warcraft work out because yeah. those are the two where the train has left the station there's no turning back there's money been spent this yeah. shit's going to happen well they released the first image of Michael Fassbender under the hood for the Assassin's Creed he movie, looks a bit alright yeah but at the same time I was like if Michael Fassbender can't make me excited <laughs> for this movie fucking hell yeah uh, and I'm not because I don't really care about Assassin's Creed yeah, I picked up one Assassin's Creed I picked up Unity quite cheap and I got Black Flag for free yeah. Uh, on games with gold oh, I really like Black Flag and that is the extent of my involvement really I'm told Black Flag is very good it's fun uh, ship combat is supposed to be amazing it's brilliant uh, and I'm told that if you're going to play one Assassin's Creed 2 is the way to go but Never again the games don't really interest me that much and uh, I think certainly that is of all the franchises in active development at the, at the time at this time 
uh, probably the game that's most in danger of complete burnout. Yeah, it's so much Call fatigue on that. That on Call of Duty, it's like, what is the year where sales are going to fall off a fucking cliff for both of those franchises? You see, the thing with Call of Duty is at least every time a Call of Duty game, game comes out, there are even people screaming for the retrospect about how broken it is. Yeah. <laughs> at least don't, it, don't say it won't happen. Oh, it, it, it could happen. I mean, like, you know, I used to think that Treyarch, the Treyarch Call of Duty games were broken by default. Because yeah. uh, of Treyarch. Um, but yeah, like, I mean been burned so many times in the video game movies I mean I'm still upset about the Bioshock movie that got so close and never happened you know uh, for want of an R rating and then if you look at like Ryan Reynolds having to stake his career to get an R rating for Deadpool yeah and R rated movies like, just don't get made much, yeah right? and like maybe like it, it, we might end up with someday in the future where you know the PC grade and the censors you know get quite again people get brave again and mature about their taste and say oh, so okay, I can die hard what? Someone makes a die-hard one. Yeah, and and you know they say like you know maybe we can handle this kind of movie, yeah. you know. Yeah, no. Uh, damn, I want Rapture on the big screen. Man. <laughs> oh, we all do, man. More than you want Metal Gear Solid. Like, fuck <laughs> it. Oh man. Oh Metal Gear movie. Ooh. <laughs> oh, look at me start. Anyway, we'll move on. Phil Spencer, uh, head honcho over at Xbox, has had to come out and decry rumors. Uh, amongst blogs online, that an Xbox Slim is in development, an Xbox One Slim. But it ruined their lovely aesthetic design. I know, the aesthetic design of a massive fucking VCR from the 80s. It's like, it's a good cardio workout bringing that back up to my room <laughs> at the end of the day once we've played it. Yeah. Um, like, we're playing Gears of War uh, Ultimate Edition at the moment. Uh, we're going to talk more about that later on, obviously. Um, and kind of, uh, I've parked it down the sitting room. I'm probably not going to move it till we're done with it, to be fucking honest with you. <laughs> because I'm not arsed moving it up and down every single day. Um, so that's it's going to have to I mean, at the end make of the day, its home there under the TV for a while at the end of the day I think the size and shape of the thing apart, you know moving past the initial announcement the pictures and the launches of the console people are like what the fuck is this thing yeah. uh, you know people have moved past that now they've found other things to give out about yeah. and bigger problems for the Microsoft. one thing like I don't care that it's that size or that weight the one thing I want is them to get rid of the fucking operating system on it which they are going to do there's apparently a much more Windows 10 like mm. version of it uh, anything that's more user friendly in that fucking state that piece of shit that we've at the moment I mean like it's 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 clearly a ramped up version of what used to be on the 360 and I mean like, yeah. that was okay it wasn't great it'll do it was okay yeah. now, it now it's just, the games. now it was just oh. like I said it's a, it's a fucking it's like one of the trials of Hercules trying to find your free games of gold every month on that thing. like that was hard enough on the old one if they didn't automatically pop and you went looking for them initially like it was hard to find them um, but with this thing it's just and it's ugly as fuck yeah look obviously they will make a slim console eventually um, they always do like t- uh, two years is probably a bit soon yeah. uh, maybe maybe next year's E3 they want to be trying to get the people who have actually broken their uh, Xbox Ones or burned them out or that you know and I say, it's like, like, time I got a new one. Yeah, in terms of like sales, they're starting to rally a little bit. Like a PS4 is way out in front. Awesome. But we're coming into the time of year where Gears of War is coming out. Like it's just come out. Halo's coming out. So if Xbox One isn't the best selling console for like the last two months of the year, maybe. Just when you say it. Then they've got to start like pressing the giant red button that says like. Just when you say it there, you know, Microsoft revi- trying to revitalize sales there on the back of two old franchises like yeah. like well that's it like, Gears of Wars is a, re- is a remaster and well, Halo I mean like Halo is, is so done but the thing is like nowadays you can't you can't sell a system like people aren't going to go out and buy the console for a new IP yeah, no, granted no, no, no. I am an exception to that because the thing that tipped me over to buy the Xbox was Sunset Overdrive mm. 
which is a new IP. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Halo is the one that's going to get the people that are... Unfortunately. Uh, you know what I mean? not it's, adventure. Yeah, it's going <laughs> to get people to go, okay, right now is the time. Like, a lot of people I held mean, off on buying PS4s. They're like, I'm going to wait until the big PS4 game comes out. And that's Uncharted, which is out next year. Uncharted is going to be the first real system seller for the PlayStation. But you know how, and you remember how, like, for so long, you know, Nintendo been the whipping boy of the video, not even the console world, the video game world for making yet another Mario, yet another, another Metroid, yet another Zelda. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, have, have many thoughts on that for a future. We game. have yet another Halo. We're going to have, like, and I mean, like, I, I was alright like I loved Halo 1 I liked, I liked Halo 2 I hated Halo 3 uh, Halo Reach I didn't play Halo ODST was dog shit um, you know it's kind of like I'm sure people are hugely excited for it but I mean we've kind of said none everything we need to say about Halo mm-hmm. Gears of War a new Gears of War I am more interested in because as bad as Gears of War Judgment was yeah. there's scope there's really scope in the world they created for some other kind of tell a story stuff, to tell else. some story somewhere else yeah and I mean, with Halo, you've always got to have Master Chief. <laughs> Master Chef. Uh, yeah. Right, our final news story of the week, because uh, we're going to like cut the news section up. short and move on to the book club as quickly as possible. Uh, I wanted to mention this. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel uh, had an opening monologue in yeah. which he uh, decided Kimmel. he was going to antagonise the internet. Jimmy uh, Kimmel, the bottom rung of American talk show hosts, in my ooh, opinion. I'm really not ooh, a fan of Kimmel. Shout. I'm big not a shout. fan of Kimmel. I You're find more of a Conan guy like me. I I like Conan. I even like Craig Ferguson better. Um, and he's gone now. And he's gone now. Yeah. I mean, James Corden now. James Corden. Yeah, Corden's all right. Like I used to have a huge problem with Fallon. I grew, I love, I've I love Jimmy really Fallon grown now. to like. I didn't Fallon. like Jimmy Fallon less than Alan. Yeah, now. I've really grown to like him. But Kimmel is just—he's always there. Seth Meyers as well. Seth Meyers as well. Like like Kimmel's—he's always so smug. He's always so self superior. He always has these little segments where he's just look how dumb ordinary people are. Yeah, um, like the 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 kind of let's dress up Mighty Cyrus as someone not Mighty Cyrus and ask her to ask people oh, about Mighty dreadful. Cyrus. That was dreadful. Yeah, and, and but basically this this whole thing comes from um, YouTube Gaming launched this week, which is a kind of subside of YouTube that's specifically dedicated to gaming channels. It's which is awesome. Dedicated to undercut the it's Twitch. It's fucking awesome because ba- yeah, well, <laughs> it's basically fuck you Twitch. Yeah, because the next massive firmware upgrade for uh, PS4. Is going to have YouTube broadcasting and uh, just a message to the audience that is the fucking end of us on Twitch yeah. <laughs> because I am done with this like, you I've can't never archive used more than 15 minutes in a video bullshit like right. I've never played Twitch I've never I've never felt the need to or, or the want to and also yeah. not good enough at games I think to, uh, to, oh, I'm not either to inspire anybody anyway. to watch I, I just do it anyway I lost like 13-1 on Rocket League to Mark <laughs> I was like fuck it who cares good video <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, so this comes from, basically, Jimmy Kimmel comes out and does a monologue in which he thinks the idea of, like, streaming games or watching other people play games is fucking silly, right? It's fine. Like, I look, I watched this like, and he, he didn't co- get offended by it. Like, he covers but himself and he I says, yeah, I also understand, like, you know, there's the whole comedians can say whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that there's a censorship comedians issue here at all. Like, they can say whatever the fuck they want. But uh, the, it, the, the thing I'm kind of bringing up is that the internet had a massive problem with it because, like, he's making fun of the idea of the likes of PewDiePie, who I don't watch his stuff. I've watched, like, I've watched a few videos here and I'm there. It's fine. It's not my kind of thing. Um, But kind of... Um, it baffles him that PewDiePie made four million a year. Like, um, it baffles him that people would watch people playing video games. 
Um, like, what did he describe it as? To me, watching another person play video games is like going to a restaurant and have someone eat the food for you. And what I think about that is like, one, it's not like all that funny. And, it's and, and two, it, it misses the point. Yeah. It misses the point. Because as I said to you before, because we were talking about this off the air, um, the whole thing about whether it's Let's Plays or it's, say, IGN doing a video review or something like that is, one, I tune into Let's Plays uh, because of the personalities involved. Uh, I want to see two best friends play. I want to see... Jeez, uh, why am I blanking right now on other game streamers that I watch? But basically, I want to see these personalities, kind of funny games. How these Whoever it is, I want to see the guys from game. Giant Bomb. I want to see them play games, and I want to hear the kind of, like, the narrative they give, the kind of, the shit they get up to when they're playing it, the kind of Ooh. stuff they do, whether they build massive building shape like dicks, or whether they, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just want to see the fun they have, like, because I'm engaging with the personalities, not necessarily the game. And if it's a game I've played as well, I have a nice little touchstone with these people who I appreciate their work. You laugh at that bit, I laugh at that. You yes, that exactly, yeah. Um, and then the other thing, obviously, that uh, I kind of pointed out off the air is if it's a game I haven't bought yet and I'm not so sure about it, it's nice to be able to go onto YouTube and watch someone you trust play a game and see if it's something you might be interested in. So, say I was on the fence about Metal Solid 5, <laughs> right? Which I am so not. <laughs> yeah. I would wait until September 1st. On the fence, yes. About Mad Max, which is something that we're going to talk about in a future show, I yeah, think. After um, I buy it. Yes. <laughs> I'm on the fence about Mad Max. I have heard the likes of Jeff Gersman from Giant Bomb say very bad things about it. Jeff Gersman is someone I genuinely would trust what he has to say about video games. I, if I'm going to buy it, it will be after the date, because then I can go on to YouTube or I can go on to GiantBomb.com. I can go on to Kind of Funny Games, and I can see the people whose views I respect, whose opinions I trust playing through a game and I can see the game for myself and I can hear what they're saying about it that's what I think like that's the, the positive side of game streaming and stuff like that um, so I think it's great I think it is the, the way kind of um, social interaction or social interaction via video games is going uh, I think we really have to kind of if you don't think streaming is a big thing you're not looking at where the puck's going to be you're looking at where the puck was um, so yeah that's it's uh, yeah it's uh, like I don't know. It's just like the whole monologue and the little sketch that was attached with Jimmy Kimmel. It's, it's, it's just it's click it's clickbait, but I don't know necessarily how incredibly because he's not one that's known necessarily for the kind of the trolley clickbait. He'll do clickbait like the Miley Cyrus pretends to not be Miley Cyrus, but she asks people about Miley Cyrus. That's the kind of clickbait Jimmy Kimmel does. Yeah. It isn't the I'm going to antagonize the gaming community kind of trolling. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not the kind of clickbait he's known for. Um. So what I would more level at it is more that it just comes across as a bit ignorant. Yeah. It's someone who doesn't really understand. Like Conan does uh, games in a much better way. He does the clueless gamer stuff. Yeah. Where he like basically in the title of the fucking thing, he's like, I don't have a fucking clue what's going on. Let's just do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and that I kind of respect. But like Jimmy Kimmel, it just kind of uh, his thing kind of comes across as just a bit ignorant, a bit kind of like when you're a late night host, you don't want to seem like you're out of touch. <laughs> Yeah, you know but I mean, like, that's like to me, that's Kimmel all over, like in terms of his entire day. Like, I think he, yeah, he likes to appear to be the smartest, most intelligent, and best dressed person in the room. Yeah. You know, when when you're late night talk show host, yeah, it's your talk show, but like it's about your guests, it's about the segments that you have on it. You're just a facilitator, yeah, and you can be replaced, <laughs> uh, and lots of them have, like, so I think they're kind of like you know making a platform to say I just don't get these young people today 
And I mean, even the bit in the kind of the thing about it, he was saying like, you know, okay, I, I acknowledge the fact that I'm an old and you know getting old, and maybe I don't get the, the I'm not in touch with things. You don't really want to go like that's it's a really cheap kind of line to go like, you know, I'm old and maybe I don't get this, but this is stupid. Um, you know, back in your box, Kimmel. <laughs> well, you put the world to rights there, mate. Uh, so that concludes the news for this week. And um, without further ado, I think we'll just head headlong into uh, our Link to the Cast book club. And this week, it's Gears of War. Books! of war the broest of bro shooters but in some ways I think that's not necessarily as bad as it sounds quick synopsis of the plot uh, you play as Marcus Phoenix big burly man no neck massive pecs and a weird bandana and you basically are part of a kind of a global military force called the COG and uh, you and your squad mates are engaged in last ditch post apocalypse fight to the death to defend the remnants of humanity against these guys called locusts Come from underground, mold people style, and they want to fuck shit up and take over the surface. Um, that's basically it in a nutshell. Um, the first game came out back in two thousand and six. It has nine point four, or sorry, ninety four out of hundred on Metacritic, nine point four on IGN. It's regarded as the flagship title of the Xbox three hundred and sixty. It was the game that they basically sold it on. It's good. In my opinion, there are people who knock it for being a bro shooter. It's a bro shooter in the sense that a Nick Cage action movie is an action movie. You know what okay, I mean? Yeah. It, you know, it, it's not like it, it kind of relishes in what it is. It's just good at what it is. Yeah, every time you finish an encounter with bad guys, there's this chunky guitar that's going to let you know that you've killed all the bad dudes. Yeah, they say some really face-meltingly bad, you know, bro things to each other. Um... But at the end of the day, what it comes back to for me is the gameplay. Um, like, in terms of the story, first game is just, this is our world, this is Sarah, the world where it's set, alternate, you know, terror or whatever. Yeah. These are your characters, these are the bad guys, this is a gun with a chainsaw on it. You press B to fuck shit up with your chainsaw gun. Um, it's two and three where it kind of comes into what I think is a really good story in of itself, in kind of the origins of the struggle, where you're going with the struggle. And, you know, advancing kind of humanity struggle. But game one, which we're talking about here, Gears yeah. of War 1, this is basically just dropping you in, showing you what's what. It, would you say it sets the table nicely then for what's to follow? Absolutely. Like, I, I would like, I mean, it's not a trilogy, like, it's a trilogy of games, it's not a story in three parts. It's a story in two parts, two and three. Yeah. And one is just your your introduction, your prologue, almost. Um, I mentioned gameplay like I say this game's strength is it's gameplay it's pretty simple you know in terms of shooter like you know it's your left trigger to aim your right trigger to shoot your X to interact Y to look at uh, points of interest when they show up B to melee 
and then now I know IGN are of the opinion in a kind of a recap of Gears of War when the Ultimate Edition came out under the impression that the A button does too much work I disagree with that I think loading a lot of stuff onto the A button is perfect because the A button is everything about movement using your directional arrow and the A button you will dive roll you will jump into cover you will vault over cover you will switch between door frames and you will run and yeah okay there will be instances where you get the directional arrow wrong you fade around the floor like a spastic but that's fine as long as you're moving fast no one's going to shoot you it's not going to be detrimental to the game you might look a little bit less cool for a second Yeah. but uh, it's just it becomes hugely hugely immersive around the time of Gears of War 2 when I was playing originally I ended up at one point playing it so much getting so immersed in it that I woke into halfway one, one night in the middle of my sleep miming out the action of throwing a grenade in Gears of War which is the only kind of experience where it's kind of a stick grenade on a string and you swing it uh, and laugh it into the air I realised I was doing that half asleep with my hands you get that into it um, in terms of its reception like this is it's a big deal that they're remastering and this is their the beginning of Xbox's backwards compatibility uh, phase where they're saying listen you love these games we love that you love these games give us your money for these games that you love and I mean you could say oh it's just the same game again to be fair Gears of War which came out Xbox exclusive but there was a PC version and the PC version came with an additional five missions that were only available on the PC version apparently they're now in this game yeah uh, and not only that but I think that there's a lot of kids now who are teenagers who would have been too young to play Gears of War the first time way too young uh, you know what I mean like what, what year did it come out it was 2006 2006 so that's nine, nine years ago. ago so there are kids now who were 16 who are 16 now who are primed for bro shooter yeah. kind of games This is they are the people that they are marketing this game towards who were barely out of nappies when this game came out originally so I think like a lot of this remastering is you know hey there's a new one coming out next year pick this up and figure out why you should care about that you know yeah. what I mean um any more kind of um, I know one thing that uh, you love and it's not actually part of the actual gameplay or anything like that but uh, talk to me about the teasers for Gears of War uh, <laughs> <laughs> alright let, let me just say right, I, I'm a man for movie trailers yeah. okay, this, like, is a man, I, this is a man who when he comes home from his, uh, his shifts in work I often find him pottering around the halls and the landing or out the back having a smoke and he what's he doing he's got his face buried in his phone and he's got movie trailers I would be inclined to believe that one of the top three reasons you bought a tablet so recently was to watch movie trailers on a slightly bigger screen while you're wandering around. That's absolutely correct. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, when game trailers come out, it's the same as movie trailers. There's as much work goes into them and they want to really properly sell you this game on the basis of the trailer. Gears of War, throughout their three trailers, they raise the bar so fucking high. Yeah. I mean, in terms of just creating a piece of art all by itself it's to me it's it's up there with the opening opening credits of Watch, Watchmen Gears of War 1 you had incredibly poetic you had uh, Mar World for Gary Jules yeah. uh, this soft haunting little melody from it, Die Darko it's kind of one that like even though I'm kind of only in my nascent days playing this game that um, years and years I've been hearing whenever it's brought up on a podcast like a giant bombcast if someone emails in and says oh what are the best trailers you've ever seen for a video game and stuff like that 
Um, Mad World, uh, the Gears of War with uh, Mad World uh, kind of soundtracking it is one of the ones that always comes up because like the kind of the history of video game trailers as being cinematic is kind of very brief in terms of the entire lifespan of video games like you weren't getting um, you weren't, you weren't, no gameplay in it you weren't, no gameplay yeah in it. you weren't getting cinematic trailers for anything on the Atari 2600 yeah. I'll put it that way and on the Commodore 64 or mm. uh, the Amstrad or anything like that but it's like um yeah, it's one of those, and even kind of like when I don't really have any attachment to the franchise as yet. Anyway, uh, it's a trailer that looking at it does blow me away. Like it's right up there. Like when I think about my favorite video game trailers and stuff like that, like um, it kind of like it's on a par with them. I wouldn't say on my list of favorites, yeah. but I would say that like I can see that it's in terms of like its go its cinematic nature. It's on a par with like like one of my favorites is that ridiculously the what I showed you the ridiculously melodramatic trailer for Metal Gear Solid 5 it's fucking brilliant it's bullshit it's fucking mental it's great and it just like it's it just reaches for the brass ring you know what I mean and that's what I want like I want a thing that makes it look like it is the most important thing in the world that you buy this game or you're a fucking idiot oh that's that's the Gears of War trailers all over yeah. it's like it, 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 it makes like for the bro the bros to bro shooters these are trailers that are the most hauntingly cinematic and uh, trailers of all trailers yeah like i mean <laughs> you know you can hear the you know the the max richter the um rec room for a day type music it's it's that level of stuff like i mean it's it's prompting you that this is epic but without explosions yeah. you know for something that you could say slots into your Michael Bay wheelhouse of tastes, the trailers do not belie that whatsoever. But enough kind of talking because I'm rambling, running out of steam. David, David yeah. Ryan the Fourth. Yes, you have dipped your toe into the Bros to Bros shooters. We've yeah. yet to get you a backwards baseball cap, but we will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Another for me. Yet. I haven't earned the Phoenix bandana. Yet. I haven't earned the Phoenix bandana. No. Um, yeah so as we mentioned the ultimate edition of Gears of War literally just came out yesterday and that's why the podcast has been delayed uh, I know we, we usually like to keep to a nice 7 to 10 days regular kind of uh, deal here at Link to the Cast but the reason I wanted to wait was because I didn't think there was a better introduction to Brian in terms of raw enthusiasm than talking about Gears of War in our first episode which is why I selected it without even consulting you. I was just like, I know he'll talk about Gears of War to Kingdom Come. Like, considering since I moved in, I've tried to get you to play the original Gears of Wars on the three on yeah. my three sixty. And like, I was gonna, and then I heard about the ultimate edition. And I went, ah, fuck, we'll wait. Like, <laughs> you know. So I picked it up. It's only forty euro. So I was like, the two of us went in on it together. So I was like, ah, oh, look, even if I don't like it, twenty quid's not a big I still loss. Still, you're good for that. Yeah, you do. Yeah, we'll talk about that <laughs> off the air. You got money for fake mustaches. Um, but yeah, like, look, you've said it. It's such a bro shooter and it's kind of one of those things where it's an acquired taste and it's going to take me a little while to not find it incredibly ridiculous. Um, it's already good. Because there like, are chainsaws on the gun. It's just funny that like, because Brian, a little kind of uh, detail on Brian that you won't be aware of at home is that Brian can't stand cringe. Like cringe humour. Brian, like literally, I'm not even joking. There's... A, Brian, you strike me down right now if I'm being hyperbolic on this. Brian literally leaves the room if something like ridiculously cringy happens. Oh, yeah. Like when because uh, there are a couple of wrestling fans that listen to this podcast. When we watched Brian watch SummerSlam, his first, was it your first wrestling pay per view? First one I stayed up for. Probably sat down for. Yeah. It. Okay. Yeah. So it's the first 
live wrestling pay-per-view he's ever watched and as soon as the New Day came out which are like my favourite act in wrestling right oh, now, as soon as they came out Brian like there was like a Brian shaped cloud of smoke on the couch because he left the room so fast and gone out the back um, but yeah it's just kind of funny to me that like you hate cringe and at the moment like there's some things they say like not all the time I'm enjoying the gameplay so that like you said the gameplay is great but <laughs> some things they say some lines of dialogue I'm just like oh <laughs> like it's just like it's the most you said Michael Bay you do the comparison to Michael Bay it's the most like cool guys don't look at explosions dialogue in the world or the first five minutes um, well, when Dom you know spoilers for the, well, the, the first five minutes of the game the game's nine years old yeah uh, the game's nine years old deal with it um, Dom uh, your player two co-op is hugely important in this game this game is better so much better with co-op if you're going to play this if you haven't played this if you're a Dave and you're going to play this please oh, God, get, get a friend because hey I'm a guy like me <laughs> the stuff Dave is talking about the cringe and, and that kind of fact and that like you know if you sit on your own you play them and I ended up having to do that with I think three um, yeah lessens the experience it's kind of like the cheesy movies thing where cheesy movies aren't fun to watch on your own but with somebody yeah. else where when something ridiculous happens you can laugh at it with somebody yeah. else and yeah. when something like bro dude bro mm. you will inadvertently say bro no matter how much you hate yourself you'll say it yeah. and it'll be good like it is like it was marketed at the start as the co-op experience it yeah. was built for co-op and it was before, well, it was kind of still the early days of playing online, because uh, it was. It, it, do you know what it is? It's the it. Some people level it, and in fairness, they make the big shout on the box and say it themselves. Is that they kind of redefined modern co-op? Yeah. Like co-op has been a thing, like as long as having a second controller has been a thing. Like going yeah. back streets of rage, and even before that, like co-op is a thing. But in terms of like third person shooter co-op the way we know it today Gears of War is probably the kind of people that brought it to the level it's at now and um, it was certainly made a, a bit of a stride because like even playing like we're kind of playing through the Halo games now at the moment kind of kind of in the ramp up to Halo 5 and they're not built for co-op and uh, like yeah it's one of those things where I look at it and go oh this game would look so much better if I was on my own and kind of it's one of those things where there's story stuff happening but because you're kind of talking through it you miss it Whereas with Gears, like you said, it's a simple fucking story. So it's actually the ideal game for sitting back with your it's buddy. It's just, here below and just like, dead. Yeah, like point the boomstick at the bugs coming out of the ground. It's not much more complex than that. Um, the other things uh, I wanted to point out about it, like I understand that you had said that thing that IGN said about the so much being loaded onto the A button. Um, so far, I haven't had a massive problem. With, I haven't had a massive problem with that. Uh, but I can also, at the same time, kind of playing devil's advocate, understand where they're coming from because there was that one occasion us playing this morning with the berserker, yeah, where we kept it's a bit of it's a bit of a clusterfuck when we wanted to do uh, a combat roll and start sprinting. We ended up going into cover beside a wall, right yeah. where the berserker was standing, and I got killed to bits. Yeah, um, so like that kind of thing, I can understand where they're coming from. Didn't annoy me. It was kind of funny, yeah. um, but I understand it. Like if somebody has an objection to that, that's fine. Uh, the only other thing I have to talk about and I can't go talk about this game uh, without mentioning it is uh, something that was famously mentioned by Yahtzee in that the entire world is gone to fuck and everything has collapsed into a series of chest high walls there is fucking chest high walls everywhere and the first time I said it to Brian because I've been waiting and picking my moment to mention the chest high walls while we were playing it and literally I mentioned the chest high walls and what within about five seconds a building or something collapsed a pillar collapsed and, and formed there was a field of fucking chest eye walls in front of us like it very much is if you don't like cover based shooters this is not your game we because that is, like, is that is what it is if you go out of cover you will die yeah 
it oh yeah you don't have uh, like you don't have um kind of health packs lying around you don't have um a massive life bar or anything like you will be they will dead you real quick if you, you stick your nose I mean? out and like you obviously got to get back into cover then to regenerate your health and people have got to use the chest high walls to get to you to revive you if you've been shot to bits because you're stupid and ran straight into danger and playing into the whole co-op end of it is you need a friend to try and flank them give suppressing yeah. fire and revive you because it's shit relying on the AI oh, to revive way. you Brian if I had approached this game with my mentality that I approached Bioshock games with how long would I last not very far because what is my strategy with Bioshock games Run gone. Yeah, I sprint like, and I have great fun. You play look, it like you play it like like people played Halo when Halo first came out. Yeah. You run in, you pull trigger, shit dies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and look, you know, I like I obviously played more cautiously when I did nineteen ninety nine mode, but not much more <laughs> no. cautiously. And I still got a platinum, so I was vindicated by doing it with Bioshock. But this is not that game. Dude. Do not think this is a swashbuckling uh, action adventure where you're going to be moving quick because these guys are the size of fucking tree trunks and, and they, they move, move like it. Yeah, they move like it. They don't move quick. You have to pick your time for your cover. You have to pick your time for sprinting out and stuff like that. Um, kind of the... To Just the, to, yeah. the chest I was before you got, I was saving this for you. Um, in Gears of War 2, again, yeah. it's an old game, so folks, bear with me here. Cover your ears if this sounds like a spoiler. Mm-hmm. You fight a... There's a giant worm collapsing cities. Yeah. As far as, as our story develops then, beginning in, in part 2. Beetlejuice, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, sort of. <laughs> and you get eaten by it. Yeah. And you fight inside it. Oh no. There aren't. There are chest <laughs> eyeballs inside the worm. <laughs> yeah, because it eats bits of building. <laughs> and they form chest eyeballs inside the worm. Okay, right. Now. <laughs> Saving that's what I was. To start drawing this to a close. <laughs> I was leaving this to the end because Brian wanted to know, am I going to keep playing through these games? Because now that I've played the first one, on the Ultimate Edition uh, during the first couple of weeks. Um, at some point in the fall, uh, or the autumn, as we call it, um, I will get access to Gears of War 2, Gears of War 3, and the much maligned Gears no, of War No, Gears of War 2 and 3. Yeah, the Gears of War, that everybody I know that's played Gears of War told me not to bother with Gears of War Judgment, so I probably won't in a very much Bioshock 2 uh, approach. Yeah. Um, I, Brian wants to know, am I going to keep playing them? And To get uh, the story. Please know, I probably will. I, I more than likely will at this point. Uh, I was already going to say more than likely will but now that I know that you get eaten by a worm and the worm is full of chest high walls <laughs> yeah. I would feel it would be remiss of me not to to experience that yeah. I need to see that because until it happens I'll be slightly convinced you're bullshitting me <laughs> because, like, I can't believe someone designed that and went yeah <laughs> that makes sense totally credible to have chest high walls inside a giant worm right okay so I suppose we'll st- we'll uh, start bringing this show to a close unless you have uh, anything else you want to throw in Brian okay you don't um and the last thing the last bit of uh, AOB that we have on the podcast Brian is to give our shout what is going to be the next book club game because this is your first show so what we do is at the end of every show we talk about this is going to be our next book club game people will go away they'll play it for a week we'll play it for a week we'll come back we'll give our thoughts on it uh, I don't know if this is one you have a lot of experience with or knowledge of um, but I was reading just to give a bit of context very brief context because I realise we're running over time here um, I was reading a couple of articles during the week about this idea because obviously um, there's a lot of kind of shall we say violence in the world mm-hmm. and a lot of very topical issues surrounding violence and the influences of violence Mm-hmm. Um, and what I wanted to do was uh, because inevitably when these things happen 
uh, when violent events happen or when young people are exposed to violence. One of the things that in our world are pointed to as triggers for these the sorts game. of violent acts, yeah, the blame game, are video games. And I want to take a look back at a very famous case of a game that people ask, you know, is this too much? Is it too far? Are we getting too violent in video games? I think I know should, what we're going to get. Should we be censoring? Uh, and to that end, the game for next week on the Link to Cast Book Club is Rockstar Games Manhunt. <laughs> and we'll be playing the PS2 version of Manhunt. Oof. So, yeah. yeah. That's, the, that's the game for next week. Um... We'll leave I hope you we're on. not going to be using Manhunt to try and counter the argument. We will leave you <laughs> on the. Um, we will leave you on that cliffhanger, and we'll uh, we'll come back to it next week. I think that could promote a very very interesting discussion altogether. Um, so, for me, uh, Dave Ryan, and from uh, Brian, Brian, I want to thank you firstly for agreeing to step into the breach here and replace Asian correspondent Mark Robinson, uh, who is on his uh, his. Chinese Odyssey and hopefully he will be uh, kind of reaching back to us with some messages here and there but I want to thank you first and foremost for uh, joining us here on the podcast it has been and I hope will continue to be an honor to be here yes, on the podcast indeed. that I named yes indeed yes that's something we didn't uh, point out at the start of the show is that uh, Brian is responsible for the name of the podcast that was so obvious and staring us in the face two Zelda fans we couldn't think of that pun <laughs> um, yeah so we'll leave you there um, come to us at linktothecast.wordpress.com uh, you can find our YouTube channel through there because we don't have a proper YouTube address yet. We're twitter.com slash link to the cast, facebook.com slash link to the cast, um, twitch.tv forward slash link to the cast, um, and you know, follow us on our social media and you'll get kind of links to when we start playing stuff uh, on Twitch and soon to be YouTube once we get that upgrade. So uh, from us here, um, good night, yeah, good, good luck. Good night and good luck.